Welcome, lads and lasses. Alastair here, delivering you another Superstitions, a Spotify original from Parcast. You're perhaps wondering about a wee word in the title of our episode, kale. The vegetable is usually known as a superfood, not a superstition. But if you hail from the highlands or lowlands of good old Scotland, you know this leafy green is good for something besides sustenance. So put on your wellies and join me for a rummage around a Scottish veggie patch. The Isles gardens are full of prophetic plants. Cabbage, beans and corn stalks, to name a few, can all be used in divination practices. But if you're a single Scot looking for a bit of insight into your future spouse, you turn to Kale. You can find episodes of Superstitions and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Coming up, a gardener's granddaughter yanks up the wrong roots. Explaining the superstitious origins of kale actually starts with a little holiday called Halloween. While today we know it as a night of mischief and candy, Halloween began as the ancient Celtic festival Samhain. The celebration marked the end of the summer's growing season and the beginning of winter. It is, essentially, a harvest festival. It's also the time of year where spirits are particularly wicked. The Celts believe that on Samhain, the divide between the spirit and human realm grew thin. This made it easier to peek into the future. Therefore, Halloween festivals in the Isles are full of deliciously fun divination games. Among them is the Kalepoo or Kale Pulling. Imagine, it's Hallow's Eve. You're single and have always yearned to know who your one true love is. So, you and your friends sneak into your neighbor's garden. Giggling, you blindfold one another and spin in circles. Once you're suitably dizzy, you kneel in the cool dirt. Your hand finds the leafy splendor of a kale stalk. You pull it from the ground. That, my friend, isn't just a stalk of kale. You've just unearthed a roadmap to your future spouse. All you have to do is take a gander at the roots. If they're long and strong, you'll marry an athlete. Covered in dirt? Why, your partner will be rich. But depending on what kale you pull, you could be disappointed. Clean roots mean your love will be poor or an old and withered root might indicate your future spouse is, well, old and withered. Scottish poet Robert Burns may have experienced this cruciferous defeat. He wrote the poem Halloween, where his protagonist pulls an unappealing stalk. Poor Havril will fell after drift and wandered through the bowkale and poked for want of better shift. A runt was like a sow tail. And truly, who can blame him for being upset? Leaving your fate to a vegetable can make you bitter, and not just from the taste of kale. Mm -hmm. 
There once was a young lass named Eileen who lived in the seaside Scottish village Betty Hill. It was a quaint little place with cobblestone streets and homey cottages surrounded by mountains and the wild, stunning sea. Eileen hated it. You see, Eileen's goals were too grand for Betty Hill. She didn't know who or what she wanted to be, but she knew she wouldn't get the chance to discover it in her small town. She needed to go somewhere impressive, somewhere that would feed her inquisitive mind, nurture her burgeoning creativity, and open her future. Somewhere like London. So, our darling Eileen saved every penny she earned working at her grandmother's garden stand to afford the move. But her future wasn't happening as quickly as she wanted it to. She decided what she really needed was the right man to whisk her away. Men like that normally didn't come to Betty Hill. But on one Halloween, the kale pull offered her the chance to find her one true love. Betty Hill's main street was packed with festival goers. Bagpipes blared, bonfires lit up the crops at the far end of the street. Some villagers held carved potato lanterns, while others were dressed in traditional Celtic costumes. Eileen and her best friend Tavis moved through the crowd. A woman in a druid outfit danced about. Her hair was buzzed into a mohawk. Welcome to Scotland in the 80s, Eileen muttered sarcastically. Where do you want to start first? Tavis said, gesturing at the town square ahead. Nowhere. This is pure old Tav, she said. Tavis stared at her blankly, so she explained. Pure? It means childish? I'm too smart for this place, she silently mused. Tavis nudged her playfully. Abrahen, you know people speak regularly in London. You don't have to be all posh. Eileen retorted. Fancy British men want a class woman, not a clatty slob, so I have to practice for when I date one. Tavis looked at his feet. There are loads of men in Berry Hill, you know. Eileen snorted. <laughs> They're boys, not men. Tavis sighed, then said, Let's see if you two class to beat me to the fire breathers. He took off. Eileen rolled her eyes but then laughed and ran after him. They'd been best friends since they were wee children, but Eileen had always ignored one thing, that Tavis was in love. You see, not so long ago, they'd shared a seminal moment of teenage rapture, a kiss. It was during S3 when Tavis walked Eileen home from a dance. They were at her doorstep the crash of waves echoing around them, his lips found hers. To the unassuming eye, it had been lovely. But alas, there was reason enough for Eileen to put it out of her mind. Remember, Eileen hated Betty Hill. What's more, Tavis was a little average for Eileen's lofty taste. The only unique thing about him was a birthmark, a wine-stained discoloration on his arm. If one tilted their head, 
it looks like the outline of Scotland. In short, Tavis was very Betty Hill. But one person knew Tavis and Eileen were destined to be together. Eileen's grandmother, Lorna. Lorna had taken a grief-stricken Eileen in when her parents died. But the gruff Scottish gran hadn't let Eileen wallow. Lorna wasn't a wallower. Eileen had only been seven, but Lorna put her straight to work in her renowned garden patch. A cynical mind might wonder if this was appropriate, but it was effective. Eileen was so busy learning weeds from seedlings that she didn't have time for tears. The two teenagers ran through the thick of the crowd. Eileen dodged a gaggle of girls, almost knocking over sweet little Fiona Ferguson in the process. Fiona's prim white skirt fluttered up as she leapt out of the way. Eileen paid her no mind. She was almost to the fire breathers when she suddenly stopped short. Lorna stood in her path. Only a few minutes till the keel pull. If you hurry, you can still make it, she said. Eileen rolled her eyes. Oh, Grandma, I'll sit this one out, same as always. Lorna was always trying to get Eileen to participate in her Halloween matchmaking brouhaha. Lorna ruffled. Remember your cousin Mary? Oh no, not cousin Mary again, Eileen silently groaned. Lorna went on. Cousin Mary had no prospects. Over thirty, pulled kale and was matched with the owner of the Dory Bistro. Eileen bit back a sharp retort. Instead, she calmly replied, My husband isn't in Betty Hill though, Grandma. He's in London. <laughs> a chorus of laughter rang out. A group of youths had gathered near the apple dunk barrels. A tall, twenty-something held court, leaning casually against a street cart. He had purple hair and a single dangly earring. His all-black leathers were so... Posh. Eileen knew him immediately. Evander, she breathed. Evander was two years older than Eileen, but she remembered him from school. He was a true Betty Hill heartthrob. He used to lean on his locker in a mysterious, ne'er-do-well stance, eyeing any passing hen worth eyeing. And unlike most Betty Hill kids, he hadn't stuck around to work in his family business. He'd moved to London. The church bell rang. It was 6.30. Lorna's kale pool. To Eileen's surprise, the crowd in front of Evander dispersed. The youths headed to the field at the end of Main Street, and to her even greater surprise, Evander went with them. Eileen eyed them eagerly, a plan forming. She didn't believe in divination, but she knew that couples who matched at the kale pool hung out for the rest of the festival. If Eileen picked Evander, she'd be able to get him alone. And maybe then he'd bring her back with him to London. Actually, I changed my mind, Eileen told Lorna. I'll do the kale poo. But you never do that stuff, Tavis said. Lorna's eyes narrowed. Tavis, why don't you go on ahead? As soon as he left, Lorna whispered, You're looking at the wrong person, lass. 
Lorna gestured at the departing Tavis. Eileen frowned. Tavis? Lorna nodded. He's a good boy. If you don't believe me, then all the more reason to attend the poo. A gale will tell you. Lorna strode off. Eileen shook off Lorna's nosy comments and followed the crowd to the field. All around her, bonfires burned and potato lanterns sparkled. The smell of sausage rolls wafted through the air. Again, Eileen hated it. She spied Lorna at the kale yard gate, wearing a brown cloak. She'd look just like a Celtic druid of yore, if it weren't for her neon hoops. The singles gathered around Lorna, and the citizens of Betty Hill hooted and hollered. Evander joined the available bachelors. Eileen's stomach flipped. But Lorna commanded Eileen's attention, and she explained the rules. First, women are blindfolded. Next, they spin around four times. Then, they enter the kale yard. Once in, each lass was to take a deep breath and let their hearts guide them to their kale. Lorna handed the women blindfolds. As Eileen accepted hers, Lorna whispered lovingly, I hope the kale is good to you. Eileen felt a rush of nerves at her grandmother's words. She looked anxiously at Evander. She prayed the kale would lead her to him and out of this town. She put on the blindfold and spun around as fast as she could. Eileen counted to four, then lurched to a stop. Dizziness spread through her, nearly making her legs buckle. She heard Lorna yell, Follow me, lasses! Eileen stumbled towards her grandmother's voice, but she couldn't see anything, and her spinning head made her stomach lurch. At Lorna's shriek, Now, reach out and pull! Eileen knelt and groped blindly in the dirt. Her hand touched a cold bunch of leaves. The kale, she pulled. The kale ripped from the ground and Eileen yanked down her blindfold. Lorna continued. Pay attention to the roots, lasses. Short stock. You've got a short partner. Long and willowy, just the same. Take a look at the dirt clinging to the roots there. Well, if you've got a lot, you're in luck. You'll marry a rich man. All around Eileen, women were locked into their kale. Eileen stared at hers. It was medium-sized, with some dirt, not a lot. It had a brownish stain on one of its leaves. It looked kind of like the outline of Scotland and Tavis's birthmark. She shook off the thought. Lorna was getting in her head. It was a coincidence. But then... She looked beside her and laid eyes on Fiona Ferguson's kale. It was long and willowy, with purplish leaves and clean roots. It reminded her of Evander. Lorna announced that the women should hold out their kale. She would come by and read their roots to determine who they were matched with. Eileen watched her grandmother start at the end of the kale row and read the first woman's kale. Her voice echoed through the night as she announced the woman and a man named Ian were paired. Eileen might not have believed in divination, but she couldn't ignore that these two stalks of kale looked remarkably similar to Tavis and Evander. 
so though her mind was declaring it all utter rubbish, her hand was doing something quite different. It reached out instinctively to snatch Fiona's kale stalk. Quick as a mouse, Eileen replaced it with her own. Eileen froze, waiting for Fiona to say something. But the sweet lass was too focused on Lorna's matchings. And then Lorna was upon her. Her grandmother took her kale, the one she'd swapped for Fiona's, and looked at it intently. Lorna murmured to herself, Mm, clean roots, not a rich man, but tall, slender. She tasted a leaf and winced. A bit better, child, and this purple colouring. Eileen looked eagerly at Evander. He leaned against the gate, looking better than Bon Jovi. Lorna followed her gaze and tensed. She asked, This is the one you pulled? Eileen nodded. Lorna glared at her, eyes narrowed. Eileen waited with bated breath for her grandmother to speak. Finally, Lorna yelled, Evander McKay, step forward. Eileen gasped with excitement. Evander strode into the garden. His smile was delicious. Heya, he said as simply and coolly as could be. Eileen's stomach flipped. Eileen was so besotted with Evander, she didn't even think to look anywhere else. She most certainly did not notice Tavis, standing in the line of single lads, watching forlornly as the new couple walked off. But for Eileen, it was a wonderful evening. She and Evander walked around for hours. She reveled in the night while Evander regaled her with facts about London. Music comes from every window. Metal, though, because disco is over. Eileen nodded, even though she didn't really know what he was talking about. Evander suddenly stopped and looked at her. Hey, you're pretty cute, you know, he said. Eileen's cheeks flushed and her heart sang. It was all happening. She grabbed Evander's hand impulsively and squeezed. Well, you're hot, she quipped then cringed at herself. Was that all she could think of? I'm getting a roll. Wait here. Evander hurried to the sausage stand, leaving Eileen alone. She watched him shove to the front of the line. Something isn't right. Lorna stepped beside Eileen, still in her kale cloak. The couplings this year didn't make sense. Tavis and little Fiona aren't a match. Neither are you and that wallop. Eileen bristled. You're the one who paired us, Grandma. Besides, you're just not used to Londoners. Lorna shot back. I don't pair anyone. I divine the kale's choice. Eileen slowly nodded, but took care to avoid Lorna's hawk-like gaze. Lorna pursed her lips. And that's how I knew what you'd my lass. She grabbed Eileen's chin to stare into her eyes. Her words dripped with warning. Prepare yourself, Eileen, my girl. You meddled with the fates, and now you must suffer the consequences. You see, angry fates will take everything you hold dear. 
Coming up, Eileen discovers the truth in Lorna's warning. Hello, I'm Hannah Maguire. And I'm Saruti Bala. And we're the hosts of the new Spotify original from Parcast, Sinister Societies. You may know us from the very creepy and excellent podcast Red Handed, but now we've teamed up with Parcast for an unprecedented look at history's most nefarious groups. Some preach extreme religious practices, others warn of impending doom, and then there are those whose endgame is far more diabolical. Every Tuesday on Sinister Societies, we take a peek behind the curtain and discover the most ominous organisations the world may or may not have known. Learn how entrepreneurial sects made fortunes off their brand, how charismatic cult leaders caught the eye of celebrities, and why strange orders of the extraterrestrial or collegiate kind attract the most unlikely of followers. Some groups convene in the shadows, others operate in plain sight, all are absolutely sinister. Follow Sinister Societies free and only on Spotify. Now, back to the story. Our wee, hopeful Eileen wasn't one for old Scottish superstitions. Yet Lorna's warning about the fates taking everything echoed in her ears all month. Even as she grew more attracted to Evander, the way he casually leaned on every available surface, the way he wore a dozen slap bracelets on one arm, the way he took his Walkman everywhere, humming along with it. The fits will take everything, echoed. Even when, by the week's end, she decided she loved him, she loved the way his earring smacked his cheek, that he had an opinion on everything, that he walked so confidently she couldn't even keep up. The fits will take everything, echoed, even when he suggested she come with him to London. She joyfully agreed, and Lorna lent her the money she needed for a ticket. Eileen's future was finally on track. Fifteen hours after she departed Betty Hill, Eileen stepped out of King's Cross Station in London. It was a sensory overload. Crowds pushed to and fro. That season's shoulder pads made everyone seem huge. So did the teased hair. It towered above Londoners' heads. Metal and rock battled each other from every window. It was nothing like home. Eileen looked to Evander, hoping he'd offer encouragement. But he was already way ahead, muscling through the crowd. Eileen reasoned he just wanted her to feel independent. It was sweet, really. She took a calming breath. Once she got to Evander's, she could settle in. She hurried after him. But Evander's studio wasn't exactly homey. It was a single room with barely enough space for the twin bed. There wasn't even a kitchen. Lorna's little cottage in Betty Hill was three times the size. When she asked where he kept his groceries, he replied that Londoners ate out. Then he picked up a dented guitar and strummed the strings absentmindedly. Eileen nodded. No food was another thing she'd apparently have to get used to. She shook off her gloom. It was her first hour in a new city. Of course it was going to be hard. But this was what she dreamed of. She was living in London with the man she loved. Well, I'm, uh, I'm gonna get some rest. 
I get up early and look for work. Do you know any gardens close by that might be looking? Eileen asked. Evander laughed and shook his head. <laughs> We're in London, Eileen. It's called a greengrocer's. Veggie stands are for the Middle Ages. You see, our Betty Hill lass had naively assumed that she'd work while applying to university. But now, she was worried that she wasn't qualified for anything. Evander didn't seem inclined to share her woes. In fact, he didn't want to hear about them at all. Instead, he silenced her with a deep kiss. It worked. As his soft lips enveloped hers, her worries grew distant, and soon they disappeared entirely as she relaxed into his blissful embrace. But when she set out the next day, the city once again overwhelmed her. She popped into restaurants, markets, and cafes to inquire about work, but everyone was so rude. They sent her away as soon as she said she didn't have a CV. Evander's apartment wasn't a reprieve. It was cramped and hot and so loud they could never have a real conversation. Evander always had Dukes of Hazard playing on his tiny, dented RCA set. And if it wasn't on, then he'd strum his guitar. Though, he never played an actual song. Eileen wasn't sure he could. In the months that followed, she soured towards Evander. He was such a know-it-all, so unlike Tavis, who'd been a wonderful listener. But each time she ached with loneliness, she'd think, isn't this what I wanted? She spoke to Lorna a few times on Evander's phone, but she hadn't admitted she was unhappy. She didn't want Lorna to worry, and she really didn't want Lorna to bring up the kale. She'd say what Eileen herself had thought, that Eileen brought this upon herself. One night, Eileen lay awake until the wee morning hours, churning over what it all meant. As she worried, she grew dizzy. The room slowly spun its dark shadows, mixing the moonlight from the window. A dull ache spread through her stomach. It really hurt. The throb suddenly became a sharp pain. Eileen yelped and rolled up her shirt. She gasped. Her belly was swollen, so much so that it looked like her skin stretched over a basketball, or that she was pregnant. Before Eileen could wonder how that was possible, another debilitating pain crashed through her abdomen. Her muscles clenched and she instinctively pushed. She moaned in pain. Evander didn't stir beside her, despite her wails. A scream ripped from her throat and her body pushed again. Something slid out of her. She frantically lifted the bed covers. A bustle of green leaves protruded from between her legs. Eileen screamed in horror as she realized what it was. It was a stalk of kale. Eileen shot up in bed, her heart pounding. She looked under the covers, but her belly was flat again, and there was no kale anywhere. It had been a dream. Can you get that? Evander murmured sleepily from beside her. Eileen shook off her horrified confusion and lunged for the ringing phone at their bedside. Hello? She answered. Eileen? Tavis's voice filtered through the receiver. 
At its sound, Eileen's heart melted. It sounded like home. Eileen, you have to come back. It's Lorna, Tavis said, his voice shaking. Eileen froze, and the bottom dropped out of her world. Tavis told Eileen what had happened. Since Eileen left, Tavis had started filling in as Lorna's vegetable deliverer. One morning, he dropped by her cottage to grab an order. That's where he found her, lying on the kitchen floor. Her heart had stopped while she was making Colcannon. Just like that. A day later, Eileen watched with red-rimmed eyes as Lorna's casket lowered into the ground. Evander stood at her side. She saw him check his watch and felt a surge of annoyance, but she breathed it away. It's a long service, she told herself. Tavis stood across Lorna's grave. He had tears in his eyes, yet still offered Eileen an encouraging smile. When the dirt fell onto Lorna's coffin, Eileen's heart ached and tears streamed down her cheeks. She was surprised to feel Evander grab her hand, but when she looked up, she saw Tavis had moved beside her. She smiled through her tears. God, she'd missed him. Tavis had always been by her side, even when she pushed him away. The funeral dispersed, and Eileen lost Tavis in the fray. She looked around for him and came face to face with Evander. Shall we hit the pub? He asked. Fury ripped through Eileen, and what came out of her mouth was pure Betty Hill. You're a regular walloper, you know that. You're full of yourself and corny, and I don't think you can actually play the guitar. Eileen turned on her heel to run through the mourners. She needed to find Tavis. Eileen started towards town, but a familiar giggle stopped her in her tracks. The crowd parted just enough for her to see Fiona Ferguson by the graveyard's gate. She looked different. Her previous quaint dress had been traded in for spandex and a crop top. Her hair was teased, and worst of all, she was with Tavis. They're just talking, Eileen told herself. But then Tavis leaned forward and kissed Fiona gently, their hands entwined. The pain that ripped through Eileen was overwhelming. It was true what they say. You can literally feel your heart breaking and it's agony. Eileen backed away slowly and ran in the other direction. She threw herself against the fence of Lorna's garden patch, sobbing. She mourned Lorna, it was true, but she also mourned Tavis. She'd been a fool to be seduced by the lure of London and Evander. The kale had been right. She'd had what she needed here all along. And why couldn't she still have it? Eileen thought suddenly. Tavis wasn't meant to be with Fiona. If she told him how she felt, he'd surely want to be with her. Eileen hurried back through town, wild with determination. She didn't stop until she found Tavis and Fiona. She felt guilty for Fiona's sake, but there was no arguing with love. She pulled Tavis aside. I love you, she said breathlessly. Tavis stared at her, 
his jaw hanging open in shock. She continued, I love you. I'm sorry I didn't see it. I'm sorry I left. It was always you, not Evander. You! Tears stung her eyes. Tavis was silent for a long time. And then he said, Thank you, Isle. Eileen's heart sank. Tavis looked back at Fiona. When he turned to Eileen, he avoided her gaze. That's just... I'm with Fiona now. But... It's me, Tavis. We're... We're meant to be together. Eileen stammered. Tavis shook his head. I thought we were once, but the Kale paired me with her. No, don't argue, I'll Listen, I believe in fate, even if you're too good for it. I'm meant to be with Fiona. You left, I moved on, Tavis said in a rush. Eileen grabbed his arm instinctively and whispered, Ask Fiona about her Kale then. Ask her if it's the same one you have now. But before Eileen could go on, Tavis pulled away and strode back to Fiona. Eileen stood in the street, alone and devastated. She watched Fiona nestle her head into Tavis's shoulder. He didn't even look back. Eileen sat in her grandmother's kitchen, staring out the window. Rain streamed down the pane. The house used to be so cozy, but without Lorna, it felt empty. Eileen had dreamed of going to London, of being fancy and important, but she not only found herself back in Betty Hill, she'd lost everything she had before. A loud knock startled her. She rose and swung open the front door. Tavis stood on her stoop. He had a basket of greens over one arm, their leaves soaked from the downpour. He held a stalk of kale in a trembling hand. Eileen was confused. Tavis, what are you doing here? You switched the kale, didn't you? Tavis blurted out. He held up the stalk. The birthmark stain looked vivid on its leaf, even though it was dried out. Eileen's stomach flipped at the sight of it. Tavis went on, demanding, Tell it true, Eileen. This is the one you pulled. You switched Fiona for Evander's. Eileen tearfully cried. Of course I did, you gallus. And it was the biggest regret of my life. As soon as the words burst from her, Tavis pulled her into a kiss. She melted into his arms as the rain dwindled. She once again couldn't wait for her future. But it wasn't in London. It was wherever her heart was. And right now, that was in Betty Hill with Tavis. Kale has seen a boom in popularity thanks to modern health crazes, but it's actually been in the British Isles since the Middle Ages and has always been quite a sensible crop. Kale's a hearty vegetable. It's easy to grow in Scotland's cold and damp climate. This made it a staple for poor families and a mainstay in many traditional recipes. 
With its versatility, it makes sense that Scots believed it had magical uses as well. Sleeping with kale under your pillow can give you prophetic dreams. Children who yearn for a sibling can place kale outside a parent's door to aid in conception. This might be a variation on another Scottish superstition. In that version, children leave out cabbage as an offering to fairies in return for a baby brother or sister. Today, when searching for our fated love, we rely on dating apps and the pivotal left or right swipe. But maybe that's why the kale pool could make a comeback. It's stressful to hover over your phone, agonizing over who to accept or reject. Kale takes the guesswork out of it. It simply tells you what is. And there's something to be said about leaving love to fate. Fiona sighed as she manned the counter at her father's hardware store. Through the window, she watched the passers-by. Each time she saw a couple, it hurt. It had only been a month since Tavis left her, and every time she witnessed young love bopping around, it felt like she'd been slapped. The door chimed as a customer entered. Fiona looked up and smiled. Evander waltzed into the store. His leathers shone like they'd just been shined. His earring glinted. Hey, uh, you uh, got any wood sanders? It's for a guitar, he asked. When he laid eyes on Fiona, he stopped short and grinned. You're pretty cute, you know. Fiona's heart fluttered. Thanks again for listening to Superstitions. We will be back Wednesday with a new episode. You can find more episodes of Superstitions and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Until next time, be wary of the things you cannot explain. Superstitions is a Spotify original from Parcast. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Russell Nash, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Trent Williamson, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Superstitions was written by Kate Murdoch, with writing assistance by Stacey Nemick and Andrew Kelleher, fact-checking by Anya Bailey, and research by Brian Petrus. I'm Alastair Murden. You aren't supposed to know about them, unless they want you to. Powerful groups with their own very specific agendas. And if you find yourself on the inside, good luck getting out. Hi, I'm Hannah Maguire. And I'm Saruti Bala. Join us every Tuesday for our new Spotify original from Parcast, Sinister Societies. Whether it's doomsday predictions, deadly greed or world domination, Each week, we're exposing the beliefs and actions of the most ominous organisations the world may or may not have known. Follow Sinister Societies free and only on Spotify.